fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Yes, this is what I this is what I live for, you know. Uh, just to be a blessing to people, and what I, I'm what I'm starting to learn, though, I think, is that I've become more of an advocate um, than a farmer. You know, I'm trying to get people to just see the need to eat uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, if I can get our community to eat at least one home cooked meal with vegetables a week, I think I'd be happy. Uh-huh. You know, yes. I think we have another issue though is that folks don't cook as much as they used to. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve foods of Tennessee and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was performed by Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, when she was only nine years old. Today, we are setting the table with community gardening and broccoli casserole. Our first guest is Pastor Chris Battle of Battlefield Farms and Gardens and of the Underground Collective, both of East Knoxville. This man's goal is to teach people how to grow their own food, how to cook farm fresh foods for better health and wellness, and how to grow community through community gardening. Their motto is fighting food disparity and building community. And we'll also get to hear about Glodine Davis of Johnson City, Tennessee, and her beloved broccoli casserole by way of Fred Sossman. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate your good company. Now let's dig in. Back in 2018, when we last visited with Pastor Battle on this show, we met and recorded in the community garden right next to his former church, the Tabernacle Baptist Church in East Knottsville. And he was at that time the senior pastor of that church. Our main topic of discussion was to draw attention to the Eastside Sunday Market that he and a bunch of community members, including Nourish Knoxville, began in 2018. And now it's currently run by NourishKnoxville.org out of Knoxville, and it's a small but thriving market in East Knoxville. Pastor Battle has left his brick-and-mortar church and has started another community church that is not housed within a building. This new church is called the Underground Collective. 
While creating this church, he's also simultaneously been building community and healthier food access by establishing Battlefield Farms and Gardens. And today, in the first part of this visit, Pastor Battle will let us know about how he gardened as a child and how he set out to reach more neighbors and community members through community-created gardening. And as he says, began with the work of fighting food disparity and building community. So let's hear the first part of his story right now. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Chris. <laughs> How you doing today? Uh, I'm good. Tired. Just got off work, but okay. Yeah, but I'm good. Okay. I'm good. It is good to see you. You too. Gosh, I really am just so impressed with all your good work in the community. Thank you. you we're talking. Everything's one thing. It's uh, your church, your community gardens, the Sunday market. You, yeah. a bunch of others, got started in it kind of all start growing out of that community garden you started next to your old church? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think that's that's literally where it started. Um, I, um, I've i always done a little backyard gardening, raised beds, you know, plot here and there. Um, I was just thinking, um, I had a plot when I was back home in Cincinnati a few years ago. My grandmother was still living and she was extremely frail, but she wanted to come see the garden. So I literally, we, the garden's right behind my parents' house, like a block over. I literally picked her up, put her in the car, drove around the corner, picked her up, put her in a chair, and let her watch me. Well, let her tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> let her push some buttons. Let her, let her push the buttons, you know. She yeah. was 90-something then, so she could push all she wanted. I wish she could see her push them now, actually. But yeah, so um, gardening has, I guess, been a part of our family for my, I had two of my great-grandfathers, both of whom I knew, um, had a couple 300 acres apiece. Um, my grandfather, one of my young, fondest memories when I was a kid was he would go out and till his garden and I would walk behind him, you know, try to put my little bitty feet in his big footprints. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I always had a little garden, and um, so at the church that I was at, they had a, a plot there that was vacant, uh, been there vacant for years. A home used to be there, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like, let's, let's do a garden. <laughs> and uh, it really took me about three years to get this thing going. You know, I just couldn't get people riled up about it. I had a couple who were interested, and then this whole idea of community garden so idea of a community garden and then I started doing a little research on what it meant to be in a food desert and food disparity and I'm like all right let's see if we can attack this so um, I went out into the community um, right around the church and started knocking on doors asking people if they would like to be a part of this uh, community garden um, what what that did for me was made me feel like two inches tall <laughs> uh-huh. because I, I had I was had been sitting in my office for a decade and didn't know my neighbors mm. didn't know my neighbors around the church mm. um, and I would knock on the door and they would say hey pastor battle and I'm like and you are <laughs> 
terrible Yes, it is. It was horrible. But I felt, I, I just got through reading a book about um, the art of neighboring. Mm-hmm. And it literally talks about transforming communities through, through being a good neighbor. Um, and the argument is, what if Jesus really meant your neighbor when he said, love your neighbor as yourself? Imagine a yeah. word meaning what it means. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yes. So um, we got the garden started, and uh, we had about 16 plots. Had about 12 different people working in the plots. So interesting, we had a uh, young group of kids. Um, one of the fraternities from UT brought their kids over. Um, had some elderly women who had never gardened in their life. Really? And knew absolutely nothing. You could tell, too, but... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah, but they were so excited when they would see, you know, the the vegetables and the fruit come up, the fruit of their labor. Yes. But then um, we started looking at this whole food disparity thing. Um, The USDA says if one-third of your community lives more than a mile away from a grocery store or a farmer's market... <clears throat> and 20% is below poverty, then you are considered a food desert. So I started doing some calculating. And from where the church was located, there are three Kroger stores, a food city, a Save-A-Lot, Publix, and Walmart. I counted all those as grocery stores. <clears throat> uh, the closest one was 2.1 mile, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's 2.3 to all the way up to five miles away. Yeah. Uh, no, no grocery stores. Um, our zip code was 37915. There was not a grocery store in the 37915 zip code. Ooh, that's a lot of people living in that zip code. Too. Right. And your zip code shouldn't determine your accessibility to food. Right. You know. Um, so that was bugging me, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so... Um, um, I reached out to a couple of my pastor friends who also had empty lots at their churches. I said, hey, why don't you start a community garden? <laughs> okay. Had a couple of them that did it, and I was real happy with that. Um, reached out to a local um, businessman who has a corner store, <clears throat> and uh, his, his, his is still going now. Um, he's actually using uh, what well, he gives us the land. I w- my goal was to find people to work the land. Partic- I was looking for churches in particular, or ah. organizations, and then they would run it. Yeah. It was just my p- goal to find the land because yeah. I couldn't work everything. So um, we f- they found the land, and uh, so Bridge Refugees are working that land over there. Uh, I rode by there yesterday. It looks real nice, too. And so I'm real happy with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we had the community gardens. We had... Um, um, this whole food disparity thing. And um, I said, we need a farmer's market. <laughs> so I called my, I got a meeting with um, Nourish Knoxville. Um, one of my friends, one of the, my friend who's a member of the church, Jonathan Haskell, happens to know the, the young lady that was running in Charlotte Tolly. And uh, so Charlotte and Kim Pettigrew, they come to the church and we met. And I said, we, I want to get a farmer's market started. Nourish Knoxville runs all, well, you know that. They run all the farmer's markets in the city. And she goes, well, there are some other groups that also are interested in having a market on this side of town, on the east side. 
and it was Stan Johnson with Seed, um, Vivian Williams with Women in Agriculture, Tanisha Baker with uh, Five Points Up. I know all of them. Tanisha went to my church. And um, I'm like, well, let's do it. So we all got together. And I think within two months, we had a farmer's market going, you know. That's wonderful. Yeah, and, it, and, and we were extremely happy with it. It's, it's, it's small. Uh-huh. It's small. Um, and we hope it, this, will, this, this will be our third year this year. We started two weeks ago. Um, and we meet at uh, Dr. Walter Hardy Park on Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue. It's about a block down from Vine Middle School. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so we're, we're sitting here, we're trying to meet this need and fight this whole thing of food disparity. Mm-hmm. There's an unverified statistic that 70% of our community is doing their grocery shopping at the dollar stores. Yeah, I believe You it. know, yeah. and so you're getting processed food, high salt, line, which yeah. leads to obesity, which leads to all other type of medical issues, high blood pressure and, and uh, uh, sugar diabetes and, and all of that. Yes. You know, and so I'm seeing, we're literally seeing people dying who, um, of curable diseases. It's all about diet, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in my research, I've also learned that uh, we are in what is called a food swamp. A food swamp, yeah. So a food swamp is when you have four, how do I want to say it, unhealthy options for every healthy option. Oh. So it's almost, it gets to the point where it's almost like, you get, if you got four fast foods to every one grocery store basically uh, okay yeah and so for me to go from um um from was my home to my Kroger I think I passed nine different fast food stores fast food and so one gentleman goes and I love how he says he said what's killing our community is not to drive drive by is to drive through but when you can walk to the dollar store particularly if you don't have transportation Got a couple of kids in tow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole lot easier to get some cheese doodles as opposed to an apple. It sure is. You it's know? cheaper. It's much. It's cheaper. Yeah. The high cost of yeah. cheap food. Yeah. You know, I mean, people who are in poverty, they may not be able to buy their children the Jordans or the fine clothes, but they can get them a Happy Meal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's those little rewards like that, mm-hmm. you know, that they will say, well, if, if, if this bad food choice is an option, I'll take that if it's going to make my kid happy because I can't make him happy over here because yeah. I just don't have the money, yeah. you know. <clears throat> so it's a trade-off there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. So our, our goal, our goal is to... Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get people to just see the need to eat uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, if I can get our community to eat at least one home-cooked meal with vegetables a week, I think I'd be happy. Uh-huh. You know, yes. I think we have another issue, though, is that folks don't cook as much as they used to. Yes, sir. People have just shown such kindness, you know, because they love it. They know what we're doing, I believe, is a God thing. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know... Meeting a need, you know, feeding his sheep. That's what I'm. That's what I'm about.
You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and today we are visiting with Pastor Chris Battle of Battlefield Farms and Gardens and the Underground Collective, both in East Knoxville, Tennessee. Battlefield Farms and Gardens and the Underground Collective, both on Facebook, and I've also placed links in the podcast notes, tennesseefarmtable.com. In the second part of our visit with Pastor Battle, he's going to let us know about his introduction to community farming by taking over the former Abbey Field Farm, which was an urban farm next to the Standard Knitting Mill in downtown Knoxville, and how he turned this into Battlefield Farm. And this visit today was recorded in the new location of Battlefield Farm and Garden, and we'll hear about the goals he has for this community treasure. So uh, Abbey Field was a two-acre urban farm that was attached to the old standard knitting mill. And uh, it had been going for four or five years. And the um, the young lady that was running it um, decided to leave and do some other things. So when she left, they needed somebody to run the farm. And for some reason, Amy, I raised my hand. (laughs) And they chose me. We, um, I, st- I became a farmer. Um, we took <laughs> over the farm. <laughs> I changed the name to Battlefield Farm. What a great hey, name. And if you want some good vegetables, some fresh vegetables, organically grown, come see your BFF. You get it? And, uh, <laughs> I love it. And uh, so we were, we were fortunate. We, you know, like I, said, I did not know what I was doing. I mean, I, I knew how to plant a seed and watch it grow. But when people are dependent on you on a weekly basis for things, it makes a whole lot different as opposed to, you know, going in your backyard and getting a tomato when you want to. Yes, it, it is a different It's a thing. huge thing, a whole huge difference. So, um, but we, we were fortunate. We raised over, uh, over 700 pounds of produce. I had five CSAs. My goodness. Uh, we had um, um, a, a cooperation with a... Um, a farm in Crossville, Tennessee, and they gave, um, they, all they dealt was beans, so they gave us on three occasions um, about 1,200 pounds of beans. Mercy. And um, I would go there in the morning and come back, I'd put it on Facebook, I got beans, and <laughs> folk were coming from everywhere. I said, BYOB, bring your own bag, you know. <laughs> And some brought buckets. I mean, it was. And but what what I loved about it, our our thing is battlefield farms, fighting food disparity, creating community. It was so wonderful to be around those, and people would just stay, hang around, and talk, you know, and help each other. You know, the seniors would come up, somebody would just go, "Can I help you get your beans?" You know, and things like that. And then of course I was. It was at the farm, so people wanted to get some okra, some. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you know, some tomatoes or something to go yeah. with the green meat. So but yeah, it was it's those type of things like that. that yes, this is what I this is what I live for. You know. Uh just to be a blessing to people and to help. And and again to fight a thing. What I, I'm what I'm starting to learn though, I think, is that I've become more of an advocate um than a farmer. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get people to just see the need to eat uh fresh fruits and vegetables. Um if I can get our community to eat at least one vegetable, one 
one home-cooked meal with vegetables a week, I think I'd be happy, uh-huh. you know. Yes. I think we have another issue, though, is that folks don't cook as much as they used to. Yes, sir. You know, and so uh, my goal is to have, um, um, uh, you know, teach people how to do, do through this whole process. Um, so we've purchased another piece of property on a Boyd's Bridge. I think I'm going to call it the Brick House location because the address is 3624 Boyd's Bridge. You didn't get it, did you? You're not a Commodores fan? Remember the song Brick House? She's 36, 24, 36. Oh, get it? Okay. All right. So anyway, you can, you can erase Chris, that part. But anyway. I love that. <laughs> so, I love that. So, yeah, we got this piece of property over here. <laughs> and um, what we're going to do with that is uh, to make it a teaching farm um, to help young people. Uh, I'm going to focus on kids, but anybody will be able to come through. Uh-huh. Um, but they'll be able to come through, tour, and learn about gardening. Um, we're going to show them different ways to garden. We're going to teach them about composting and just the whole thing, backyard gardening. Um, and let everybody know that they can grow something anywhere. You know, I'm going to teach them how to get a shoe and plant a tomato in it. Wonderful. Um, I just did this little research the other last night, actually, uh, on um, um, what they call it, uh, bale bale oh. straw gardening yes out of yeah. straw bale i've yeah. seen or you can yeah i've not done it yeah well i got a bale at home i'm Ooh. i'm curing right now so y'all want to i'm trying that um so i mean there's different things that you people can do to grow to grow some food and yes. like that um so yeah so we had the farm over there at um which was formerly abbey field uh, on washington pike and then but they sold the land. They sold the land. And all that dirt that's been worked on so long. Yeah, and all that dirt that had been worked on was gone. Mm. Um, so I didn't have a place to go. Uh, but people are so kind. And people are, are, are believers in what we're trying to do. Yes. I had folks calling me. I got 10 acres if you want to use it. Churches. I mean, it was it was, it was was crazy. I uh, a friend of mine, Jeremy Cox, he showed me he, he had 10 acres over there. It's right outside of Lonsdale on, on 640. <clears throat> and I literally cried. I bet. I'm like, man, I, <laughs> you know. I, <laughs> I mean, it's, people have just shown such kindness, you know, because they love it. They know what we're doing, I believe, is a God thing. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, meeting a need, you know, feeding his sheep. That's what I'm, that's what I'm about. Mm-hmm. And, um, but uh, what happened, a friend of mine called and said that he had some property that he and his wife were preparing to be a farm. He had like seven acres. Um, but uh, he and his wife, they, they divorced and Aww. sold the property. Uh, he said, but I think the couple that's there might let you use it. So uh, we, he reached out to them and they said, man, feel free. Uh, feel free to use the property. So I have like four acres uh, that we're using just to, for produce, um, and uh, we're just excited about that. The, the, the soil is so sweet, <laughs> so so sweet. But um, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And what's crazy though is that their rent here is less than what it was at the other place. What a win! So I got twice the land and a cheaper cheaper rate. 
That's wonderful. And all that yeah. can go to programming and what. Yeah. It, well, you know how much they were charging me at the other place. Huh? I don't mind telling you. Sure. It was a dollar a year. Oh. Oh, and you beat that. And I beat that. It's, <laughs> they, they said it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's I, you know, I, I think mean, it's I think it's a God thing. Yes, you know, it is so good to hear good things. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's happening to me all the time, you know. And um, oh. I mean, we're in some crazy times right now with the pandemic and with the um, racial tension. Yes, um, but yet, I mean, I I come here and um, our vol- the volunteers and we talk. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, we just talk, honest talk with each other, yes. um, share our concerns and, you know, how we can, we, f- we have fixed the world in the garden. <laughs> we have fixed it. Trust me. <laughs> There's such wisdom to that. Hey, we fixed it, you know. It's- People have just shown such kindness, you know, because they love it. They know what we're doing, I believe, is a God thing. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know. Meeting a need, you know, feeding his sheep. That's what I'm. That's what I'm about. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and today we have been visiting with Pastor Chris Battle of Battlefield Farms and Gardens and the Underground Collective, both in East Knoxville, Tennessee. Pastor Battle is always interested in connecting with community members who are interested in supporting this mission and by lending teaching expertise in areas such as nutrition, soil science, farming, cooking, preservation of food, and that sort of thing. More information of Battlefield Farms and Gardens on Facebook, and as always, I've also placed links on my podcast notes, along with pictures of Pastor Battle and community members at Battlefield Farm, TennesseeFarmTable.com. A real good man right there, and I hope you might want to get involved with this positive group of people. Well, let's switch gears right now and hear about Glodine Davis of Johnson City, Tennessee, and her beloved broccoli casserole by way of Fred Sausman, right now on the Tennessee Farm Table. In East Tennessee, Glodine Davis is known as the broccoli lady. People like her broccoli casserole so much that she packs copies of the recipe into her pocketbook anytime she brings the dish to a homecoming at Johnson City's Thankful Baptist Church, to a working lunch at Eastman Chemical Company in Kingsport, or to a meeting of the local NAACP chapter. Glodine's broccoli casserole offers up a perfect combination, a green vegetable for the righteous, a whole stick of butter for the rowdy. Broccoli casseroles in the South run a caloric gamut, with cream of mushroom soup as the most common binding agent. In Treasury of Tennessee Treats, first published in 1957 by the Woman's Society of Christian Service at Keith Memorial Church in Athens, Tennessee, my aunt deviated by adding cream of celery soup and became downright revolutionary for her day by folding in water chestnuts. The recipe from Mrs. Joe T. Fry, Jr. in that same book calls for the complete pulverizing of the cooked broccoli with a potato masher. 
In the Memphis cookbook, published by that city's junior league in 1964, Mrs. George S. Miles gussied up her recipe with separated eggs and called it a souffle. Main Street, a 1980 cookbook from the Youth Builders in Greenville, Tennessee, offers 11 different broccoli casserole variants. Glodine Davis's broccoli casserole touches all three grand divisions of Tennessee. It originated in Covington in the West, traveled to school with Glodine when she attended Austin P. State University in the Middle Tennessee city of Clarksville, and now she serves it in East Tennessee. Enriched by that whole stick of butter, Glodine's broccoli casserole stays moist through repeated reheatings and remains flavorful and appetizing at room temperature. The topping is a common mid-20th century touch, crushed buttery crackers. You can make this with frozen broccoli, but I always do it with fresh. Two bunches cut into florets and boiled for about five minutes. Drain the broccoli and mix it with two cans of cream of mushroom soup, a small onion chopped, a stick of butter cut into thin slices, two beaten eggs, one and a half cups of grated cheddar cheese, and crushed Ritz or townhouse crackers for the topping. Bake it at 350 degrees for about an hour until it's bubbly, and remember the broccoli lady. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Saussman. And a note to go along with this story. Sadly, Glodine Davis passed away at a really young age of 65, Saturday, December the 2nd, 2017. I have placed a picture of Glodine Davis in the podcast notes in her kitchen cooking. Also, a link to an article that Fred Sossman wrote about Glodine Davis in honor of her memory that ran in the Johnson City Press. Just a wonderful lady, a good life lived, and it's so nice to keep her memory alive with Fred's story that he recorded in 2015. So long live Glodine Davis, the broccoli lady. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song, for updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording. Connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.